Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to Drive Through HR, the Internet's number one HR radio show, podcast, whatever we're calling them these days. I am Crystal Miller, and I am one of the four hosts of Drive Through HR. I'm probably my favorite, don't tell my husband. Uh, but I am here today with someone I like even more. Her name is Jennifer Sark, and gosh, I've known you forever, but I feel like you should introduce yourself, Jen, because nobody can do it as well as you can. How you doing? I am fabulous, and thank you so much for having me on Drive Through HR. Uh, so I'm Jen Tharp. Most of you probably know me from my 20 plus years leading talent attraction for AT&T. I left there about a year ago, and now I am head of strategic initiatives at Jovio. I am also a wedding planner extraordinaire and could not get on this show with Crystal without saying I planned Crystal and Dwayne's wedding. So if you attended and had a fabulous time, at least partially credit that to me, right? (laughs) Oh, for sure. I would credit a whole lot of that to you. It was really great when it was like, I think I want to get married on a stage. And you're like, all right, let's figure it out. You're fabulous. Which is kind of in your approach stage, I think, right? It's like, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and this is going to be a ton of fun today, right? Because it's a it's a really uh, timely topic and one that everybody's talking about. And I think you and I may have a little bit of a different or expanded take on what's happening at Basecamp. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, normally, so for those of you who haven't listened before, Drive Through HR has been historically built on one question, which is what's keeping you up at night. Over the years, we've morphed that a little bit, and sometimes we'll plan topics or themes or whatnot. But in this topic, I feel like I can safely say what's happening at Basecamp, if you know about it, is has got to be on some level either keeping you up or seeping into your HR nightmares. So, so let's talk about it, like what it is first to set the scene for people that that haven't that haven't heard about it yet. So. Um, I mean, it just happened last week. Uh, I think if you if you haven't, you can do a little. Let me Google that for you, um, for yourself and your friends, and you will pull up stuff from Wall Street Journal and all kinds of things. The media has skewed real heavy on the political piece, but what's happened at Basecamp is bigger than that. So, so um, recently, the owner of the or the founder of the company, Jason Fried, CEO. Um, made an announcement that they were going to cease all political conversations. They were going to cease all um, employee interest groups. Uh, they were going to cease uh, the um, advisory feedback from what they called the small council, which I can only assume is a Game of Thrones uh, nod, but it was their managers, uh, managerial feedback, and, and um, also that they were going to stop, quote-unquote, paternalistic benefits like wellness benefits. So all of this came in a meeting, and basically it was like, if you don't like it, here's a six-month package, see you sayonara. So really interesting way to approach your company, don't you think? You know, it, it, it sort of almost feels like a an invitation to exit, right? Like, was was, was that just sort of a way to align or did was he you know was he thinking that maybe it was a way to get everybody coalesced around we're all good with this right like either way I think it backfired right <laughs> I don't know I mean, yes right like I would hope it backfired I would hope he would look at that and go like 
yeah, that wasn't where I wanted that to go. But but I don't I don't know. I mean, so there's so many different pieces to this. And I'm going to credit something to Craig Fisher real quick. Um, for those of you that don't know him, he is like Craig's a really interesting cat. I actually I, I like a lot about Craig. And one of the things that he said that I that has stuck with me, uh, and I think he said it the day that I've met him, and that would have been in June of 2010, and I still think about it at least once a week, is, you know, when you're in recruitment and you're in marketing and you're in the people business, there is no such thing as bad PR. I don't believe that. Like, just so you know, I don't believe there's no bad PR. I think there's totally bad PR. But his, his point was, like, if people are talking about you, then – you can, can kind of help spin and control that narrative. But if nobody's talking about you, then just nobody's talking about you and nobody knows about you, right? Base camp's been real sleepy for a while now, y'all. I mean, I, I feel like there may be a little bit of, um, well, I'm going to do something that's very shock-tastic, which, you know, the technology companies or, or Silicon Valley is kind of prone to do anyway, um, and then work my way out of it. Like, could that have been part of what's going on? I don't know. What do you think? So you can't tread on woke, right? Like at this point in our life and in our country, like like there are some things that are sacred. And as a leader, and I, I mean, I'm in the leadership role. As a leader, I would, I would be so, I would want to stay so much on the high moral ground that I don't know that I could have made that decision, right? right? Especially given the origins with, you know, the employee list and all of that or the customer list and all of that, right? Oh, Let's dive into that because if we're setting the scene, I think that's a pretty big piece of this, right? So, because again, if you, if you look at the media and what they're really focusing on, it's the cessation of, of political talk at work and, you know, I think there's probably a good percentage of the population that reads that, and, and especially after the last U.S. election cycle, it's like, yeah, okay, cool, I'm down with not talking politics at work. That's great. But that came out of thing else, right? So it came out of that list. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, or how do you want to set that scene? Well, well I think just acknowledge, like, let's just talk a little bit about what the list was, right? Like, in the the reality right. is I haven't seen, maybe you have seen some actual names from the customer list, but in a nutshell, there was a customer list that was sort of, I don't know, play names for, and some of them were racially insensitive. The, mo- the most mm-hmm. detail I've seen is one employee gave an example of it was sort of like on The Simpsons when Bart would prank call most cavern and it was like things like Amanda Hug and Kiss and, you know, Seymour Butts like that sort of stuff, but it was racially, some of them were racially leaning. Have you heard any more about that or what else would you add? Yeah. Yeah. One of their employees actually went on to talk about it um, on Twitter and it was basically, as you said, like for more than 10 years, they've maintained an open list of customer names that sounded quote unquote funny to them. And last year amid a broader reckoning of diversity and inclusion, the list didn't seem so funny anymore and employees wanted to talk about it. And that list was actually the genesis from what I understand is of of some of their interest groups to kind of create a more inclusive, um, inclusive background, like environment. And, And what the guy said, and the guy, by the way, is Casey Newton. You can find him at Casey Newton on Twitter uh, was like what followed was this, this, internal fight that played out on the collaboration software that, software that ironically they sell. So um, they had employees that reported 
uh, DHH, I don't really know what that is, to HR after comments that they made about another employee and then the company banned talking quote-unquote politics internally. So really, like when I read that, it's not really that he was like banning politics in and of itself, you know, we should have Prop R, Prop A, Prop Z. Um, it was that he was banning identity politics, right? And so that, that's concerning, and that is, in my opinion, solely and squarely on the CEO. I agree with Casey Newton on that. Like, it, it's a violation of not just the woke, like the whole culture, if you will. It's a violation of, of the employee trust, right, because we all have this thing called workplace dignity, and I think it's a violation of that. Um, but it's also a violation for their customers. Like, I would be peeved if I were a customer and found out that my name was on a list that, that like, the company I'm paying money to use their software is making fun of my very name and identity. That's problematic. And I, I can't imagine employees weren't looking at that feeling like that could be me. A hundred percent, right? And, like, the inverse of, like, the bad decision is, it's the business case for diversity and inclusion and just your general workforce makeup, right? Like if you have all like employees, would you even recognize your not so great choices, right? Like, I, like, I, I feel like, I feel like we all need to just know that and, and know that this is another reason why we should make sure our workforce is represented. Yeah. And I think some of that is like, we have to do more reading in HR and <laughs> like HR, that's a great thing. Right, and I think we should do it as leaders. If you run strategy in a company, if you run a department in a company, if you're a manager in a company, like understanding some basic things around um, identity politics, around workplace dignity, is a really important thing because it, you know, people talk about work and respect at work, but it's deeper than respect. It's we spend the majority of our waking days at work, like. The, num- the number of waking hours we have in a day, the majority of them are spent working. And especially for a company like Basecamp that's remote, like there's been enough studies to show that you end up working more, not less. And so, you know, when you so much of your life is tied into an organization, the way that organization treats people internally and externally actually impacts your self-actualization, impacts who you are as a person. And that is fundamentally what gets into the idea of workplace dignity. And, and that's, you know, I, I like the way that, um, I think her name is Christine Kohach, says it, that, like, dignity is sacred for all of us. I think we can agree with that. But it's also newfangled, but it's also old, right? It's changeable, it's absolute, it's measurable, and it's measureless. Like, we, it, it gets back to, it's hard to define, but we know it when it's impugned. Right, and <laughs> yes, so. 100%. When I dig into all of this, when I get to base camp at its core, the base camp issue at its core, it's that the actions they took impugned the dignity of their workplace, and that's why you saw 21 of their the eight employees leave. Yeah, and and you know, shout out to corporate comms and employee communications everywhere, right? Like a lot of this maybe wasn't intended for this outcome, but the delivery was just so abrasive, right? Like, how could you I, like? I, right, you've known me for a long time. I'm I'm sort of one of those like 
my my initial reaction is like put up your nukes and then I'm like I sort of back off I'm like okay yeah probably not but like if, if somebody came out to me and said you can you know this core part of me that is obviously problematic and we're having some you know internal strife about is happening and hey while we're at it if you don't like what, what I decided put up or get out you know like like that whole thing just like could have been handled better with the feelings in mind, right? Like, how do you help that as HR, right? (laughs) I mean, that kind of gets down to how does HR, I mean, God, there's so many pieces to this, right? But but in the, the specific question that you just asked, I think part of it is, our responsibility, what, what is our responsibility to? And, and um, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pursuing my master's at the University of Wales, and we had a conversation around that last week, like, what is the responsibility of HR? And while esoterically we'd like to say that the responsibility of HR is to our employees, it's, it is up until the point that your company is at risk, and then your first responsibility is to the company. But I think you could look at it, so on that, can we agree? Like, do we agree yeah. on that? Okay. Or point? Okay. I, so, I would say we mostly agree on that. Mm-hmm. I, and and maybe it's just semantics, right, Crystal? Like, because you know me, like, I'm, I, I would do anything for my employees, <laughs> right? Like, anything. Uh, but, I, but I'm here to serve the business, and I serve the employees in service of the business, right? Like, I would never, you see what I'm saying? Like, I, like obviously, yeah. we're running a business here, but we got to do right by our people. That's like, I've got to be core to who you are if you're, like, really a feeling HR person. Yeah, and, okay, so, so that's fair. Um, but if we believe that it's some, to some extent part of what we're supposed to do is protect the company, I think in the instance of base camp, those are one and the same. Protecting the employees and protecting the company also is protecting the leader from himself. And and the stuff that I've read and, and like I'll say this, we're Monday morning we're Monday morning quarterbacking a situation that we weren't part of, right? So there are conversations we are not aware of. There are um, there's a lot that probably went on behind the scenes that we don't know, but we know what's been been put out already by their employees, by various news outlets, interviews. And even by Jason Fried himself, like recently, I, I guess he was talking about um, something that he was saying in our reading, something he was saying about having um, just been tired of the uncomfortable feeling that he was getting from these conversations. And, you know, sarcastically, the, the middle-aged white woman in me wants to be like, yeah, that's middle-aged white privilege at play, right? Like you, can, you, you have the luxury of being tired of these things where some of your employees probably don't. But his response, instead of saying, like, recognizing that privilege and, and saying, okay, well, how do, I, how do I work around that? How do we handle uncomfortable and turn it into something positive, was to shut it down so he could be more comfortable. I feel like in that situation, HR's responsibility is to save that guy from himself so that it protects both the company and the people because the reputation is damaged, right? Like if you, if you're a software developer, do you want to go work at Basecamp right now? I mean, maybe, oh, no. but probably yeah. not. Right. Um, right. And, and I, and maybe I, like a, as I, separate package when you don't like something the CEO says, <laughs> <laughs> right. Which makes the whole thing more uncomfortable, you know? And it, it's interesting, right? Because I, I, I think that, 
if you would have, if again, communication and dialing that in and all of the things Monday morning quarterback in, but just to understand that if you were in service of the employee, there would have been a different solution than stop, right? Or, or there would have at least been better communication around why. Like, it, I, I think both of those things, right? Like, it, it, at the best, you would have influenced outcomes as a strategic HR person. At the least, you would have advised whoever was communicating a better way to maybe add empathy to the topic, yes? Yeah, I mean – for sure, without a doubt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much. I, I was uh, talking about this earlier today, and, and the professor that I spoke with, um, her name is Rachel, she's lovely. But um, I was like, what do you think about this? And she's like, like there are almost no words. <laughs> How do you put words to something that insane? But before we go any further, we need to do a quick reset. So that's probably the place to pause. Um, if you are just now tuning in, you are listening to Drive Through HR, the Internet's number one HR and probably longest-running HR um, radio talk show. Um, we are coming live to you from Blog Talk HR. And we are joined by Jennifer Tharp, who is the VP of Strategy with Jovio. And Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about Basecamp and HR and, and all things in the world. So, We've touched on a, a few things. I think we've set that scene, but gosh, there's so much to it. We just talked about would you want to come to work for Basecamp right now. So maybe we should talk about the recruiting um, aspect of this a little. What do you think? Yeah. I, I hate to see their glass door reviews in a few weeks, right? We need to make a rule on this show that anytime somebody brings up glass doors, there's some kind of drink. Maybe it's too early to drink. But, uh, <laughs> Never okay. too early to drink. Five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to guess they're going to be a little brutal. But, you know, that that almost leads us into a different show of how much, I don't know, like, uh, how much do people pay attention to employee reviews. But, um, yeah, they're probably going to suck. Uh, and and rightly so. I, I think, for me, I look at the amount of negative sentiment coming out on things like Wall Street Journal, Forbes, um, you know, USA Today. <laughs> Print that will last a whole lot longer, probably, than, um, than those specific reviews. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, but it's a... Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, right, because there is a whole sect of the United States right now that is just done with identity politics, again, probably because they have the privilege to do so. But, um, you know, those people might look at this and be like, heck, yeah, man, that, you know, way to represent what I think. Um, I, I'm not of that camp. But, but if that's who you are, then, then I guess maybe he can go recruit a company of people like him. But – but politics aside, how damaged can a brand be before they're toxic? Like, where's the line? I think everybody has a different line, right? And and rightfully or unrightfully, there's been this assignment of intent on the CEO that may totally, right, may not totally be what the intent was, but the perception is everything. And if you Google Basecamp right now, 
what you see is a giant cautionary tale, right? Like no matter where you sit on that continuum, it's a lot. I mean, and when you go to replace these positions, particularly the executive positions, right? Like what, what is the, what is the value prop there? (laughs) That's a really good question. But I'll tell you, part of me, and it's the cynical part of me that's done layoffs and, and, like paid my HR dues and, and definitely that was time to drink. <laughs> uh, went through all of that and, and would love to not ever have to go through another layoff again. So part of me goes, you know what? I wonder if this was like his way of weeding out people. A 58 person company, you have to assume he knows them all fairly well. So is this his way of weeding out salaries that he didn't want to replace? Probably not his whole IS team, um, IOS team. I'm sure it kind of backfired at that perspective. But, but a lot of these like heads of these functional heads, did you really need them? If your if your product is set, and I mean, God, you and I were using Basecamp together back in 2011 or 12, right? 11. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like the product is is has massively innovated all that much since that time. So your product is set you put out a new product that kind of got meh reception. So probably not going to do much more with that. Um, so if you're just coasting, do you need high dollar executives or could you get rid of them and then just work with the lower levels, rate them up a little bit more, you know, reward loyalty or however you want to couch it. But that, that seems like a good way to get rid of millions of dollars of salary overhead. And by good way, I mean, horrible but if you didn't want to have to do a layoff like maybe that's what he was banking on and it just went further than he wanted and again right business case for strategic hr to help make those decisions because there are certainly better ways to spin that right and then also employee comms because yeah that was something that came up today when when we're talking about that earlier which is like uh where was the planning for this? Where, where was the communication planning? Where was the, like, it, the amount of people that did seem blindsided by this, like, I don't, I think that there were clues. I think that there were signs that it was coming probably. But, um, but the number of people that did seem blindsided makes me wonder, like, did they just not do any communication planning for this at all? Did they, like, was it a gotcha moment in the conference? You know, conference all what what happened there? It really makes me wonder about the HR person. Is what it is. Like, no disrespect intended to that person because I don't know them, but like, what were they thinking? And if they're watching this show and they took the package, right? Like, hit us up. We would love to continue this conversation <laughs> with some firsthand knowledge, right? Fair. Ah. Well, and so I no, mean, like, I mean, what it... kind of lawyer did that together too? Because like that package clearly didn't include a non-disclosure clause or if they did people are just like screw it i'm doing it anyway because there's a ton of stuff out there from their employees well and uh, and i know like we we just have a couple of minutes left right like so one of the things that i was thinking about when we were prepping for this is like crystal you have to be brave to be that guy that quit and put that stuff out on twitter right like i mean i feel like these employees like i feel like they're brave Go the sunshiny route, which is what you're doing, and say, yeah, there's some there's some bravery associated with that. 
On the other hand, I feel like we've had, and I'm not trying to get huge into politics, but I feel like we've had four years of, of just tweeting out whatever's on your mind being the norm. Like it's been normalized. And, and being able to go badmouth whomever, wherever, deserve it or not, has kind of become what you do on Twitter, I guess. That's what a lot of people do on Twitter. So I don't know if it's as brave as it would have been like five or six years ago, but it's definitely putting yourself out there. I don't think any of these people are going to be blackballed. In fact, I think what we've seen over the last year is when people do this kind of thing, they end up getting jobs fairly quickly. Yeah, it definitely like makes you popular, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I really I, it feels like it. Job. Well, the other thing is though, like I still feel like, especially in executive positions, your social media can bias a company depending on their position. And truth be told, in this situation, the topic is so, you know, core that if somebody, like, was not happy with you putting that out there on your socials, they're probably not the right company for you to work for anyway, right? <laughs> like, so oh, yeah. probably a sure. no, <laughs> no harm moment. Yeah, there's – Yes. So there's that. There's um, I don't know when you were looking at the tweets and stuff on this. There was um somebody, Ella, um, Dawson highlighted this, but I, I and I don't know who wrote it. I guess maybe it was Casey. I'm not sure. But there's always been this kind of unwritten rule at Basecamp that the company basically exists for David and Jason's enjoyment. And she was like, this stood out to me. I've been in that kind of work environment. It always leads to impulsive, emotional, and hurtful decisions like this one. And that, that's a really interesting take, right? Like when you, when you think about it, like I don't know whether that's true or not, whether it exists for them or not, but certainly the way that the, um, the message that the employees receive are being communicated by the employees to the broader world would lead one to that opinion that they do believe that their opinions matter more than that of the rest of their workforce. And it it does lead to a really interesting um, line of discussion of like the, the power imbalance associated with employment is highlighted so well, I'm going to use that word loosely, here. There's just so much to that and the implications around that for morale for the employees that stayed you know, the damage to self-actualization that all of those employees might be experiencing at this point, like feeling like they just don't matter because basically their CEO and co-founder and I guess the person who runs HR cemented that with the conversations of like, yeah, we don't need your feedback anymore. We don't need you helping to make this a better place, you know, and we don't care what you think. If you don't like it, you can leave. That's a whole other show. Like, uh, totally other show, right? And, like, how do you triage that, right? Like, like, like is this an EAP moment? I think, we need, I think we need to do this again. I agree. So we, we have some time um, coming up over the next few days, and I think this is something where if we don't, if we don't do it now, in a week, two weeks from now, we'll probably be like, man, we're just tired of talking about base camp. But, but it's not really about base camp, is it? It's about the – the broader underpinnings, the and aftermath. Like, how do you handle that? Because Facebook's not the first company to go through that. Hello, Coinbase, and they're not going to be the last one. So, you know, what can we sure. take from it, and how can we help move our organizations forward? 
Yeah, right. And like, there's a pretty good chance that not many of us will deal with, you know, this sort of public situation. But there are these sort of little situations and sales departments and, you know, Idaho offices all across the world. And the the same way that you would think and deal with that, I think is the same way that, that you know, we would look at this. So I, I think it's a great idea. Well, Jen, we've got time tomorrow if you've got time tomorrow. You want to come back and talk some more? Why, same time, right? We're noon every day, yes? Same bat time, same bat channel, yeah. It's like everyone's yeah. taking a lunch break. All right, well, let's so talk awesome. about some more, but let's put some, let's put some first just so people know what they can expect tomorrow. We might be here a little bit because we, we tend to do that, but what's one ask that you really want to dig in and talk about? I, I think that the communi- I, I think that the communication and the like I almost the handling of the folly, right? Like I, I mm-hmm. think that that's something that's really relatable. Okay, so I think that leads into what I'd like to talk about, which is the impact on reputation, and that leads to PR communications, crisis management. And then into the communication with your employee base that didn't leave. Like the handling of the people that left yep. is one thing. You have to actually keep the people that stayed working. So I think we've got an idea of what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, everybody, join us tomorrow. And you know what? If there's something you want to know about or there's some ideas that you want to share, feel free to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at DriveThruHR, D-R-I-V-E-T-H-R-U-H-R. So that's your show, folks, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining.